1: Coming to you, I am at least, from the Lambeau Field press box at 1.48 a.m. Central Time. Bill went home because he forgot his charger during the game, so he was having kind of a kerfuffle with computers, so he's back on a comfy couch. I'm in the coach's press box um, where the Packers offense is getting it figured out, Bill. Uh, Getting it figured out. Good God, I can't speak. Packers 45, Bears 30. That first half was something else. Packers did not play well in the first quarter. Didn't play well on special teams at all throughout the game. Defense played really well in the second half. Offense figured it out. The Packers give us something new to write about each game. This game was extremely interesting. Where do you want to start? Let's start. Let's go good to bad. Let's start with the offense figuring it out, um, especially after the first quarter, moving Devontae Adams into the slot, getting the running game going. And Aaron Rodgers, he's nipping on Tom Brady's tail for that MVP, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, what? It was a bizarre. You you called a drunk at one point in the in the in the press box. That seems like a seems like an appropriate estimation. I mean, my God, the Packers did everything possible to give away the game, and there's Aaron Rodgers with his typical four touchdowns versus no interceptions against the Bears. I mean, my goodness. Um, you would think the Bears have been pissed off at the quarterback, and and maybe they were. It, it makes no difference. He's he's behind. He's starting on the line that's down to one starter, and that is a rookie. He's down Randall Cobb. He's down Robert Tunyon. It makes no damn difference at all, Matt. He threw eight incompletions and four touchdowns tonight. And he said after the
1: game, um, regarding the toe, he said he did have a setback. He said it hurt a lot more than it has in past weeks. Um, They're going to take a closer look at it Monday morning. But he said he doesn't know where the setback was exactly, but... He had a setback. Still doesn't want surgery, but that'll be something to keep an eye on in the near future. The offensive line, I mean, Billy Turner's injury does
2: not look good. Um, it was one of his knees, correct? Yeah, it looked like he went down with his left knee. And I-, I watched it a couple times, you know, kind of live before the next play happened. And I'm not sure if he got hurt um, in the pileup because I know Floyd came crashing in on Nijman. And they kind of went down in the heap next to him, or if he just went down before that, I, I couldn't tell. But yeah, he was immediately going for his left knee. Um, he walked off on his own, which just shows that he's a uh, he's a tough sob. I think I don't think right. it was a matter of him being healthy. It's like he's tough. It's like get the get the bleep away from me to the trainers.
1: And then he slammed his helmet down, kind of went aggressively into the blue medical tent, and was quickly ruled out with a knee injury. And anytime that happens, um, it's not a good sign. I mean. Robert Tunyon didn't even have a limp when he walked to the locker room in Arizona right. earlier this year. And he's out for the season with a torn ACL. So I'm not going to assume anything, but um, and Matt LaFleur did not have an update after the game for us. But if Turner is out for an extended period of time, like you said, Royce Newman, who wasn't even a starter at the beginning of camp, is the only preferred starter on that offensive line. Instead of David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and Billy Turner, it's Yash Najman, John Runyon Jr., who should be a starter regardless, um, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, and now Dennis Kelly, who has barely played this season. Started all 16 games for the Titans last right. year, was a camp signing for depth at tackle. Um, Aaron Rodgers calls him the big David Bakhtiari because they kind of look alike, and Kelly's a couple inches taller. But, you know, LaFleur knows him from his time in Tennessee. He played 11 games while LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there in 2018. He knows what he's doing in this league. LaFleur said he did kind of had to uh, adjust his play calling just to get Kelly in the rhythm uh, of the offense when he went in right away. But, listen, if, if these next men up have really stepped up, and I think Turner's played well this season... I don't see any reason why Dennis Kelly can't if he can get his feet under him. If the Packers have already weathered the storm of all the injuries they've had, and if they can get Bakhtiari back in the next couple weeks, you know, yes, it's a step down from Turner, but Adam Stenovich and co. have, have, you know, made miracles happen on that offensive line. I don't see why they can't do it again.
2: Yeah, Kelly's a good player. Um, You mentioned he's got a lot of starts under his belt. He's 31, almost 32, so it's not like he's over the hill. It's not like he was Rick Wagner last year, Matt. Where, right? I mean, Rick. No offense. I mean, no offense to Rick. I mean, he was just beaten up and beaten down by the end of the season. So, you got a guy who's played a lot of good football, um, played in a lot of big games. He's fresh. You could do a lot worse than Bakhtiari if you can ever get back. And Dennis Kelly. I know. I know Rodgers has hyped Billy Turner a lot. you you've mentioned the stats in the press box about how he's about he, he's one of the, what, top 10 in pass block win rate and run block win rate, I believe you said? Yeah, all, I, all I saw
1: was I, I like those ESPN analytics charts of pass block win rate and run block win rate. And Billy Turner was high up in the top right quadrant among right tackles. And, and you know, according to that graph, he's a top five right tackle in the league this year by those metrics. Um, obviously, there are different ways to evaluate guys, but Rodgers, yeah, like you said, has professed his Pro Bowl candidacy for Turners. That is, um, it's gonna be tough. But Packers have have weathered a lot of storms this year, and and they can weather this one. I, I want to switch the focus to the line on the other side of the ball. I thought this was fat. I, I think Next Gen Stats puts out some fascinating numbers a- after the game, and this was one of the ones that caught my eye. There is one team in the NFL, one, who has Pressured opposing quarterbacks more than 35% of the time since Week 10, so over the last month, and it's the Green Bay Packers. at 30, uh, Over 39% they've been pressuring opposing quarterbacks at that clip over the past month. I know it's only three games, but it's still pretty impressive, especially for a unit that hasn't had Zadarius Smith all season. Lost Whitney Merciless. You know, Last year, what did they get from Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Kingsley Kiki last year? Nothing, really, Nothing. In, ter- in terms of a pass rush. And this year, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are playing out of their mind. Kingsley Kiki tied Smith for six pressures tonight. Clark's been dominant all season. Dean Lowry's been playing really well this year. I mean, it's been really incredible. And Justin Fields, he can run. He, he did really well under pressure tonight, but... Getting pressure on the quarterback and letting him out of the pocket, letting a guy like that out of the pocket, Justin Fields is in every player, um, is better than not getting pressure at all and just giving him all day to throw back there. So, you know, uh, I think it's been a really nice job by Mike Smith and Jerry Montgomery, the the OLB's coach and the DL coach, to to get the most out of those guys up front. and, And when paired with a secondary that's been playing well, they, they they worked together well in concert in that second half, allowing only three points. I think that's a that's a great recipe heading down the
2: home stretch. Yeah, I was, I was looking at pro football focus um over the bye. So Rashawn Gary already has more pressures this year than he did all of last year. Preston Smith, more pressures than all of last year. Kenny Clark, more pressures than all of last year. Dean Lowry, more pressures than all of last year. I guess I didn't look up Kiki, but Kiki was a beast tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, for a guy who's supposed to be this like this quick guy, he's got one hell of a bull rush. I mean, he's just trucking those guards right in a Justin Fields lap the whole game. And I mean, we talked about this back in August. He's the key to the whole thing because you knew what Clark's going to be. Um, this, you know, you knew what Zedarius was. You knew what Gary could do. Kiki was like that one guy where you thought, well, there's the upside. If this defense is going to get better, it's because Kiki's going to take that next step. He didn't do it for the first two months. But he's been on a roll lately. I thought he was really good tonight.
1: Yeah, since he came back from his concussion. And something that stood out to me just watching the game live was they weren't, you know, swim moving or, or chopping around their guys and getting, you know, clean clean runs at Justin Fields. It was they were pushing their guys all Group the way back force. into him and the pocket was collapsing that way. And and yes, Fields did escape, but you know, one game after Gary forces a fumble on Stafford and, Smith, and Preston Smith recovers deep in Rams territory, Preston Smith forces a fumble on Fields and Gary recovers deep in, uh, in Bears territory. So even when it, without Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are one heck of a, a pass-rushing duo. It's when those guys need rest. There was at one point tonight where we looked at each other and were like, Jonathan Garvin and Tipa Nalai are the two pass rushers and the Bears are in the red zone right now. Like, getting Zadarius Smith back is going to be important, assuming that's what happens, because that'll give them more depth at the position. I don't expect him to be one of the top two pass rushers when he first gets back. Um, But yeah, they're in good shape up there. And and Mike Smith deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. Um, Rasul Douglas, another pick six. I mean, we've talked at length about his story. I thought Eric Stokes played well tonight. The two the two plays the Packers got burned on were, you know, the crosser to uh, Demir Bird when Henry Black, uh, I believe it was, yeah Henry Black it, Bird mm-hmm. came out of the backfield and, and beat Black across the middle, and then Jakeem Grant just kind of zoomed up the sideline. So it wasn't anything deep they got beat on, or really you know with the linebackers or couldn't get pressure, um, and they fixed it after a nice Preston Smith talking to at halftime.
2: I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall for that. And Ooh. that's where it sucks that we can't go into a locker room anymore where you could have kind of pulled guys up, you know, what what happened and they'd be more free to talk. But that must have been something. I know basically everybody talked about it post-game tonight that Preston – people want to get rid of Preston Smith. Remember that, Matt? Bill, I, I remember, and, and we've touched on
1: this before, but um, it seemed this offseason that Preston Smith – was long gone, and Zedarius Smith was the guy that's here to stay. Now it's the opposite. Right. You know, Preston Smith took a pay cut and bet on himself. A lot of incentives in that contract, um, and he's delivered. Tonight it was pointed out to him that he earned a $500,000 bonus, and he goes, that's it? I thought it, I thought it was <laughs> going to be a bigger number than that. Um, side note, he's the most improved interview by far on this team. Yes, um, He's been great. He was great again today after the game at the podium. And it's one of those instances where, you know, coming off last season where he came in overweight, wasn't productive last year. He's back to that 2019 Preston Smith, and he's playing really well, and he's a huge reason this defense
2: is the top five defense in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. In, in that, Remember that, that narrative where he was playing too much coverage last year, which is just... Well, that's you know, not the, true. The, the, number, the numbers don't support that whatsoever. Right. Um, but he stepped up big time. Um, he's earning his payday. And you're right. I, I, it's hard to believe that he's not going to be here next year. A, um, the way he's produced, but the reverence that Rodgers talks about with him, about him being stepping up as a leader and being their pregame and halftime guy and his friendship. again. I, I don't know if Rodgers will be here next year, but... Uh, I think the way Rodgers talks, when I would assume that feeling was felt by everybody else. And with Zeme, I mean, with Darius at the back, I mean, who the hell knows? Can you, can you count on him to be back ever? Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he'll give it a go, but I think anybody who's of my age, Matt, maybe not your age, knows how backs can be. So who knows? But that, Bill, yeah, Preston's, Preston's playing himself. Yeah, you've had back problems. You've talked S- about it. before. Speak for yourself. My mattress
1: isn't great. And I have heartburn right now because I housed one of those bratwurst and that, uh, you know, flavored mustard. I don't know exactly what's in it, but that mustard at halftime and those chips and buffalo chicken uh, dip. Oh man, I am feeling it. Right when I get off this podcast, I gotta just go home and drink water and flush my system somehow
2: because I do not feel great right now. But I'm doing. Did you let the did you let the brat sit on the counter, sit on the, uh, it's not a desk. What, a counter? Where, where do we work at? Okay. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know what's it's called. But did you let it sit there for an hour and a half before you consumed it? No, not like, this like time. Like the previous home game.
1: There were no forks, was- so I just had to eat it with my hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of things that are disgusting, Packers special teams. <laughs> There's a segue. <laughs> Holy hell. Jesus. i mean okay i i have the list right here
2: let's list Do we have it time because we only have an hour on the zoom that's all they give us we might not all right you might have to, get to take the cliff's notes here
1: 97 yard punt return touchdown allowed when they had the guy dead in his tracks at the five yard line 34 yard punt return allowed 42 yard kick return allowed 40 yard kick return allowed a kickoff out of bounds Muffing a kickoff that was headed out of bounds to give your offense a start at its own five-yard line. Your punter shanking a ball 22 yards out of bounds with half of the field to work with. Amari Rodgers muffing a punt off his face, which was bailed out by a Bears player running out of bounds on his own. Mark valdez Scantling muffing an onside kick recovery that was recovered by the Bears and returned for a touchdown, but... They also got bailed out by another rule where the ball is dead right when the Bears recover it, I guess. These are some stupid rules. But uh, Packers special teams are an absolute disaster. They've been really bad all season. I was talking to uh, Pete Doherty, and you've covered this team for a while, so you so you know um, this just as well as anybody. He said this is as, as bad as he can remember it being all around. I mean, there have been missed field goals and muff punts and and one or two things pop up here and there. This was all game, most facets except you know extra points and field goals. And Matt Lafleur was like, "Oh yeah, that's a bright spot." He did say, "Absolutely not," when asked if there is a change at special teams coordinator uh, being contemplated, which I understand. What, what's a midseason change going to do? Um, but it's horrible, pathetic. It's already cost them against the Chiefs this year. It's not going to cost them against a team that's as bad as the Bears. But man, if what happened tonight happens in the playoffs, Packers are going home.
2: Yeah, they play Baltimore on Sunday, who's you know uh, rather renowned for, yeah. for for decent special teams, though, right? I mean, Jackson, yeah. John Harbaugh cut his teeth on a special team, so. But if
1: Tyler Huntley's oh. their <clears throat> quarterback, Packers are going to win that game.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, if if the no the Bears special teams is not good. I just think you know the the Ravens got to be like drooling right now. Um, I, I thought the coverage units had been getting better. I thought kickoff coverage had been pretty decent. It had been Dubai. very good, yeah. So it's like all these things that they were building on, and all we talk about with with Drayton is field goal. Shit, the whole the whole thing went to pot tonight. They did nothing right other than they made seven extra points in a twenty yard field goal, which you could have made that one. I, I probably could have. Yeah, that is. You know, the NFC Championship game against Seattle, there was the fake field goal for a touchdown. They got the Seahawks back in the game. Then obviously the Brandon Bostic onside kick. So you got those two plays in a humongous game. But yeah, Pete's right. And this is a team that's been semi-routinely 31st, 32nd in Rick Goslin's annual special teams rating. So Packers fans are used to bad special teams. It's like... Yeah, whatever, they're bad. I mean, but this is, I, I agree with Pete. There's not literally nothing to hang your hat on. Nothing. The kickoff return stinks, the punt return stinks. Um, the punter has been really good until tonight. I mean, the, the, the touchdown, well, the first punt was right down the middle. Everybody knows you can't do that. And the second one was down the middle, too. Now, they should have made the tackle there. Burks got juked and then St. Brown got blocked inside. But you can't kick the ball down the middle of the field. Um, you gotta tackle guys when you got a chance. They, they had two shots to get Grant down and they couldn't get him down.
1: Bill, yeah, it there's seems,
2: nothing. Nothing when I, good.
1: When I watch special teams, is it just me or is Ty Summers always getting pushed right out of the frame of a tackle at at a crucial point? He's always down there, but he's always getting pushed right out of the way. Yeah, how, he's are special team's leader, And, and too. listen, I understand. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses because Passer, Packers' special teams are horrific. But, you know, Randy Ramsey and Will Redmond are two of your best special teamers. They suffer season-ending injuries before the season starts. Matt LaFleur pointed out that they lost EQ St. Brown and Dominique Daphne, who are two of their core special teamers. But, um, you know, Mo Drayton brought this up this week when... I forget exactly, he might have been talking about the lack of success on extra points compared to years past, but I think Mm -hmm. this point applies in general. With such a cap crunch, especially this past year, teams are forced to use the bottom of their roster on minimum contract guys, young guys, and the Packers are starting a lot of young guys on special teams. Like sure, you can call Oren Burks a veteran. This is his fourth year in the league. Like you look at a team like New England, they have Matthew Slater. Like Baltimore for years had Anthony Levine. Like these are guys who are special teamers through and through. Packers have guys who don't know what they're doing on special teams, and and that's just not that's not just a figure of speech. Literally, they do not know what they're doing. Um, tonight was really bad. You're right. The coverage has been good lately, but. I can only think about, I think the Packers are going to win out. Ravens, Browns aren't going to win here on Christmas, I don't think. Um, The Vikings, the Packers probably won't get swept by them this year, then the Lions. If the Packers get a first-round bye and welcome, you know, the Cowboys or the Cardinals or the Buccaneers here in the playoffs, one special team's mistake could cost them the game. There were, I just listed off 10. That's Mm -hmm. That's a list that wouldn't be good for an entire season. It's one game, and it was mostly one-half.
2: Yeah. You know, I know Drayton's point is correct, but it's the way it's always been here because the Packers have taken the roster-building method of you pay your eight- or ten-star football players, and then you just fill in the blanks with whoever you can get, which is cheap rookie talent. It's the way it's always been, which is why they always stink. It's because you are counting on undrafted free agents. And I don't want to hear about guys getting hurt. Do you hear the, the Bears guys are getting hurt today? Like every five minutes there's an announcement, so-and-so's out. So, everybody's hurt. So the, to me, that's just bullshit excuse-making. Um, they're young, and they stink, and they're, always, and they're always young, and they stink. And you compound that. Look, I think Mo Drayton's a great guy. He's fascinating to talk to. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But he's young, too. So you've got young players and a young coach. I know the 33rd team's a pretty good website, and they got Mm -hmm. a special teams guy who does his own rankings. And it was about a month ago he pointed that all the good special teams had veteran coordinators, and all the bad teams had young ones. So you got young coordinator, young players. Again, I'm sure Drayton has answers. He's no idiot, but this is what they got. And and the Bears, by the way, acquired Yakeem Grant for a sixth-round draft pick. Amari Rogers was a third-round pick, Bill. Yeah, and he sucked at... He, a, he returned one kick for a touchdown in Clemson as, like, a sophomore. He was never any good. Again, maybe that wasn't his fault. I just at, I'm just looking at the numbers. He was never, like, this great returner, but he was supposed to be their salvation there. They got... Honestly... The Bears got Grant for a six, he's got six touchdowns and returns in his career. Six. All right,
1: Bill, here's a fun game. Pick your worst special team's mistake of the night. Mine was not the 97-yard punt return allowed... It was a kickoff clearly heading out of bounds yes. that Malik Taylor makes a running effort to catch. Even if he catches it, there is no way he is able to stay in bounds. I know the rule that Ty Montgomery used or took advantage of a couple years ago, I believe it was. I wasn't covering the team, but you have to be stepping out of bounds first when you touch the ball right, or something like that. Malik Taylor was fully in bounds, I believe, and just, like, muffed it, and the ball went out of bounds at the five-yard line. There is—I cannot think of any reason why he did what he did. That was the worst one, in my opinion. It was. If he
2: catches the ball, Matt, he gets to the seven. I mean— <laughs> So, come on. It been better than the five. No, you're right. The so thing I, is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to think if he was trying
1: to take advantage of that rule, but—
2: Pretty no, sure I just you think be, he lost track of his place in the field. You right? have to and be
1: out of bounds first and then touch it.
2: Right. So I'm I'm assuming he just thinks that he just misjudges the ball, but that's him. So I gotta come up with a runner up because that was by far the worst. I, I guess you gotta go with the touchdown because they got six points out of it. Yeah. Or or Burks has him. Oof. But never he never really even tries to take he's like frozen. He's like, you know, a frozen pizza He's just stuck there and then. St. Brown gets blocked inside, and you know they had two two chances to get him down. And the guy's pretty fast, and they, they didn't get him down. My, my God, what a shit show! Holy hell! All right, it's time for some questions. I bet there are special
1: teams questions here, Matt. I haven't looked at them. From at GB Schultze, more of a concern in the postseason. Mason Crosby kicking a game-winning kick or Mason Crosby calling the coin toss? Honestly, if Mason Crosby has to call an overtime coin toss in Arizona or something. I would be concerned if I were the Packers. But uh game winning kick. From Brian. Yeah at, at
2: oh sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're you're right. It's it's the game winning kick. Now again, he did make all seven tonight. They scored what six touchdowns? Yeah. He made seven kicks. Yeah. Had a good pregame. I know I know Drayton said they had a really good week of practice, again, for what it's worth. Yeah. But you're nice. right. It's 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 game winning kick.
1: I had a good week of reporting, but I didn't do so great tonight. So that doesn't mean jack shit. Um, from at Tundra Walker, double zero, what does Mo Drayton have to do to get fired? If he sat in Mark Murphy's chair while wearing Lombardi's trench coat and dripped Culver's cheese sauce on it, would he still be employed?
2: Hmm. Jesus. That's a good scenario, Listen, Brian.
1: Here's the thing. <laughs> the, co- the coordinator can be a problem. He's not the only problem. He can be a problem, but how much will a changing coordinator work? I know a bunch of you guys, and rightfully so, have said, what did we expect? We hired an assistant special teams coach from a bad special teams unit. Hired internally. You got to get someone outside. And this goes back to, you know, what was it, low-balling Rizzi, who went to the Saints? Mm-hmm. Special teams coordinator. Um, they're not going to make a change in season. That wouldn't, you know, do anything. After the season, Maybe. But honestly, it might be more the players. Certainly, Drayton has something to do with it because coaches always deserve blame. But I don't think Mo Drayton is telling the guys to make trying to make running toe-tap grabs on the five-yard line on kickoffs. I don't think Mo Drayton is telling Oren Burks to stand like a deer in headlights when a guy is two centimeters in front of you. I don't think Mo Drayton is saying, hey, Amari, let this one bounce off your freaking face and bounce two yards in front of you. I don't think he's saying, hey, NVS, put your hands up, but then let it go right through your hands. Like, at some point, the right. players have to make the plays. Yes, mm-hmm. Mo Drayton is at fault for some of this, and it's easy to call for his job, but these are fundamental plays that these guys have to be making.
2: Perfectly said. Um, I will say that Drayton was an assistant special teams coach in Indianapolis before he came here, and the Colts are really good. McAfee. So it, it, yeah, so it, it's not like his entire training is under Sean Monanga. It was in Indian. They were a, a top-five unit. Tom McMahon, so I, I, he was with Tom, McMahon. I was going to say, I, I talked to Tom McMahon when they hired him, and, and he said that they will be a top-ten special teams unit Woo-hoo-hoo. with Drayton. Old swo- takes he, he, exposed. Swo- swor- 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 <laughs> because... It was him, and I forget who his other assistant was that year. That other assistant, he got a head job, and they basically fought to get Drayton. Those two coaches fought to get Drayton on their team. So he comes highly recommended for what it's worth. You're right, Matt. Players got to make plays. And Lafleur can't fire the guy. No. Because it looks bad on him. You can't hire a special teams coach, Menenga, and say, oh, shit, I screwed that one up. I'll promote Drayton. Oh, shit, you, you can't just keep firing Coaches. Because then forever. nobody wants to come work for you. Right. And there's not exactly an experienced assistant on the roster, right? I mean, right. Raina, Renee Stewart. I, Raina I mean, Stewart. I, yeah. I know I always call him Renee. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not like he's a 10-year coordinator who just happens to be here, you know? It's not like it's Mike Pettin being the whatever assistant head coach or whatever it is it in Chicago where you had this old sage sitting there. They don't have that. So... You got what you got, and you just got to hope that somehow... Hell, I don't even know how you're hoping that. You just hope <laughs> the guys... I mean, you hope you you hope guys make plays, right? Yeah. You hope, you hope you catch a ball and tackle some guys.
1: From Mark Sieber, any idea why it takes them so long to get to the quick passes on offense? Is it not part of the initial game plan, or is it Rodgers just ignoring the plan and trying to take shots early on? That's a good question. I don't know. We'd have to be in the, game, the initial script meeting to to know the actual answer to that. Um, Next-gen stats did have an interesting stat. So Rodgers threw 12 passes in rhythm tonight. That They qualify that as between 2.5 and, and 4 seconds of release time. He went 10 of 12 for 170 yards and 2 touchdowns. And Rodgers and Devontae Adams both said after the game, maybe it was more of a cliche rather than referring to that exact time frame, you know, early in that second quarter is when they really started to get into a rhythm. They had They established the run. They hit some some quick passes to Adams and, uh, you know, moved him to the slot, did some other things. But that quick passing game, especially with this offensive line, has been really effective all season long because Devontae Adams can create separation off the line of scrimmage very quickly and get open very quickly. Um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have been good receiving out of the backfield. Rodgers is really good at reading defenses very quickly post-snap and getting rid of the ball maybe it's reading a defense out and then kind of settling into a game plan. The Packers haven't started fast really all season, but they put up 45 points tonight. I know six of those came from a pick 6, but listen, if they figure it out, they figure it out. I don't I don't think you know, they have to come out firing with a with a quick passing game right away. Maybe it's lulling them to sleep thinking you're going to go for big plays and then and then going with a quick passing game once the second quarter starts. But
2: Whatever they did, it worked tonight. Yeah, I don't know either. I, is Rodgers ignoring the game plan? I, I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to stretch the field, or maybe, or maybe those underneath routes just aren't open to start with, and they adjust and get some different routes that work. Who knows? It's a, it's an interesting question. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. And I won't, I won't BS one for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Steve Dunkel, is there a DB or RB that could return punts, or is
1: there an available free agent? Amari Rogers n- is not helping back there much. Yeah, Amari Rodgers is really bad at returning punts. He had one nice one where he kind of caught a low one that was rotating weirdly, took it up the sideline. That was a nice return. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's an average return for anyone else. It's just we've come to expect so little of him. It was funny. After the game, Devontae Adams was asked if he could return punts. And he goes, I certainly hope I don't have to. But (laughs) I could if I needed to. And I think he was being serious about this. He said at practice, sometimes he jokingly tries to go out in there and return punts, and Brian Gutekunst waves him off the field and says, get the hell off the field. Um, no, you can't have your best receiver return punts unless you just want him to fair catch everything, and even then you risk someone running into him. Um, if you just want the best hands out there, you put Devontae Adams, but you're not going to do that because uh, you're not idiot coaches. You're the coaches of the Packers who are 10-3. and 3. Um, I mean, Maybe some of them are idiots, but... I don't think they are. Uh, yeah, I, I would not keep putting Amari Rodgers back there. He has given you no reason to trust him. Randall Cobb would be the second option, but he just had core muscle surgery.
2: Yeah, who else is there, though, Matt? I'm
1: trying to think. That's why I just paused. You know, during warm-ups, Shannon Sullivan returns punts. I know Jair Alexander has in the past, but... He was awful. You don't want to put him back there with that shoulder. Man, I don't know. It's really not good. I am not kidding, Bill. Well, maybe I am a little bit, but I'm starting to get more and more serious. 11 guys on the line. Go all out to try and block it. Don't put anyone back there and just let it bounce. Aaron Rodgers has shown he can lead a touchdown drive from anywhere on the field. You would rather do that than risk a muff with how often the Packers have done it this year. Am I wrong? Am I
2: crazy for saying that? (laughs) Maybe a little bit because you're going to (laughs) get 80-yard punts to the one-yard line. Yeah, that's I I mean, I see your point, though. Man, I don't know. I mean, as you were talking, I'm going through the roster in my head. I've got no clue. I mean, I'm not sure if Sullivan's ever ever actually done it. No, I, I don't trust Shannon Sullivan. So, shit. I maybe there's someone in free agency, some veteran who I don't know. What's Tyler Irvin up to these days? Yeah, or Tremont Williams? Cause, can you want to bring Tremont out? I mean, Tremont feel the punts here forever. Oh my God, he's coaching his son's football teams. Bill, let him let him retire in peace.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh fine, um, Kenny Clark. Ben Braden. You I don't know, know. Lucas Patrick did
1: say to us, he ben, was bragging to us, that he has returned two punts in his career, and he caught both of them. Two kickoffs. Yep. He said he has the best hands of the alignment Put him back there. Who cares? Just get someone who can catch the damn ball.
2: That and was also, something. back ago, McCarthy was, was put Lucas him back.
1: Patrick on the goddamn kickoff return team?
2: Because they put two big guys, you know, they put the returner... You know, At the goal line, they'd have two big guys that run the 10-yard line or so just to go block people. Well, what did opponents figure out? That's an offensive lineman let's kick kicking the ball. So they kicked him the ball, and mostly with them. Yeah. Mostly.
1: From Mike, at underscore S-S-Y-Y-L-L-V-V underscore uh, colon period. That's, an un- Ooh, un- that's a lot un- of stuff. That's an unnecessary Twitter handle. Will Rogers win MVP? I think no. Brady's the f- front runner right now. A uh, couple weeks ago, it was Brady, Josh Allen, and Rogers as the three favorites on BetMGM in that order. Uh, since then, Josh Allen has had that game on Monday night in the wind. I don't think you can judge too much of that. And then they lost to the Bucks today. I think Brady is the prohibitive favorite, and Rogers is a not too distant second right now. Maybe Justin Herbert pulling up the rear at number three. What do we got for live odds, Bill? I know you're looking at that right now.
2: I am. I, oh, shit. The ben I, the MGM will let me look because I'm not. We, we live in a state where they don't let you do that. How rude. I'll, I'll look. Um, I will say, though, that he has no chance to win MVP um, because it is a media voted award. And I think there's probably too many. Many people who do not do not like Aaron Rodgers presently.
1: If it if they all voted unbiasedly, does he have a chance?
2: Yeah, live odds at FanDuel: Brady minus one hundred and fifty, Rodgers plus six hundred. He is second. Okay. So it is Brady by a mile. And look, he should, um, because they're well. I shouldn't say he should. I, mo- I most valuable. Look, look what Rodgers has done, my guys. He's, he's playing behind. He's playing behind me and you on the offensive line presently. Listen, I I don't know. I don't don't have a vote for MVP. You don't have a
1: vote for MVP. But I don't know how much the voters take into account their surroundings, meaning the quarterback's surroundings, or just what analytics or numbers or advanced stats they take into account. Aaron Rodgers has, I believe he had 23 touchdowns. I need to look this up because I didn't have this number ready. Point, point being, I won't waste your time with this. He has a hell of a lot of touchdowns and no interceptions pretty much since week one. He's Yeah, has, I want to
2: say it's 27-2 and two since week one.
1: Yes, uh, you're right. Because I was going to say it was 23-2 and two since week one. 27-2. and two. Kirk Cousins threw two interceptions on Thursday, so Rodgers has the fewest. Um, I believe tied with Russell Wilson of any starter. Yeah. Um, and even if you want to look at what the Packers did without him in Kansas City, that could boost his case for most valuable if you really want to get technical. What he's done with his offensive line, he went into Arizona and helped beat the Cardinals without his top three receivers and his top tight end for the fourth quarter. You know, I think Brady will win it if, if they both continue on their current paths, but I don't think he's out of the mix by any means.
2: Yeah, you know, if, if they stumble once or twice, right? Talking about Tampa and yeah. Green Bay wins, runs a tail and gets the one seed. Yeah, that'll be fascinating. Yep, because you're right. Who's overcome more? I I don't know Tampa's injury situation, but I know heading into this week, Green Bay was second in injury impact over at ManGamesLost.com. My Baltimore had passed them up, so yeah, they've been they've been hammering. They keep rolling along.
1: From Joe O'Keefe, the O line includes many who aren't supposed to be starting. However, those guys are playing very well. I would agree. Would you rather have Green Bay's backup O-line or the Jags or Texans' starting lines? I would rather have me, you, Joe O'Keefe, Bill Huber, Rob Domovsky, and Jason Wildy than the Jaguars or Texans' starting offensive lines. So there's my answer to that one. Yeah, I I think um, Yash, there was one coverage sack early, then Yash got beat on the second one, I believe. Um, He's had his rough patches. He's not great. Obviously, he's going to the bench when David Bakhtiari, if David Bakhtiari comes back. I think John Runyon Jr. is a good player. Lucas Patrick is rock solid. Royce Newman, it seems, has gotten better the last couple yep. of weeks since Adam Stenovich. You know, Adam Stenovich shoots it straight. He said Royce Newman's been inconsistent a couple weeks ago. I think he's been better. Uh Billy Turner obviously has been good. We'll see if Dennis Kelly can step in and be that next man up. It's what they're going to have to do. Will it cost them in the NFC Championship game like it did last year? We'll see. But the Packers have weathered the storm of, of losing a lot of guys on the O-line against really good defensive lines much better this year than they have in years past.
2: He mentioned Jacksonville. This has nothing to do with the question, but how about Urban Meyer calling his assistant coaches losers? Jesus Christ. My God. Holy oh, yeah. hell! How could anybody ever hire that guy ever again? But someone will hire him and he'll get... My goodness. Anyway, what else we got? From uh, Cecilia.
1: What will the nickel and dime DBs look like when Jair is back? Can't take Douglas or Stokes off. Does Sullivan become the dime for black? Um, You know, I thought it was interesting, Bill, because I believe... I forget exactly which game it was. But the first game Kevin King came back from that shoulder injury... He and and Douglas split time. And King played more than Douglas, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Tonight, Rasul Douglas, whole game. Mm -hmm. Kevin King played special teams tonight. The coaching staff has come to their senses and said, Rasul Douglas is better than Kevin King. They have finally quit Kevin King, um, for now at least. I would think the outside guys are... Uh, you know, the three corners on the field will be Jair, Douglas, and Stokes. Who's going to play in the slot? I don't know. Um, does Sullivan become the dime for Henry Black? I would think so, just because he's more experienced. But both Sullivan and Black are prone to those massive backbreaking plays. Sullivan, we saw, got beat for that big Van Jefferson touchdown two weeks ago. Henry Black got beat by Bird for that big touchdown today. You know, Raven Green couldn't fill that role. Will Redmond couldn't fill that role. Adrian Amos was put up at a position in that role. Hell, play two inside linebackers. Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes have been playing really well. Just let them do it instead of putting a, a
2: safety or a corner at that dime spot. Yeah, it will be interesting because, you know, Alexander's got that skill set for that he spot. He does, yeah. But do you want a guy with a bad shoulder or a recovering shoulder playing that— that is like a, you're basically a linebacker a lot of times. Because if they run the ball your way, you are right there. And there's no running and there's no hiding. Um They're going to run it. And I would think if you're, you know, whoever, whoever they play, you know, whoever his first game back is against, I would, they'd run the ball right at him and, and test his physicality. So, yeah, I don't know. Stokes hasn't, they haven't put Stokes in the slot at all. I'm not sure that Douglas has any experience. maybe he does. I don't. I don't know. Well, oh, that's tough. It's it's as Matt Lafleur says. It's a good problem to have, though. Yes. And I, I'm higher on Sullivan than you. I, re- I realize he does give him some big plays, but he's also he also he has put up a lot of zeros. You know. Yeah. I think I think he entered this week second in receptions per slot snap. So he's been pretty good, but yeah, he has been up some big plays too. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they do. Probably Sullivan. Um, from at Benny boy two Oh nine. If
1: Devonte is one V one on the goal line, shouldn't it be considered <laughs> disrespectful if the scoreboard waits until the play to start to put up six points? Right. You are. Listen, Jalen Johnson, the second year corner out of Utah, I believe he was the Bears second round pick last year. Yep. Did a really nice job on Devonte Adams tonight. Um, I'm going to pull up the stat while you talk about him, but that last touchdown where he kind of just broke his ankles, you know, that was kind of just wearing him down all game. That's a sick move because that's who Devontae Adams is. And yes, I think it should be considered disrespectful. Devontae Adams, here, let me pull up these next-gen stats numbers because there are some really interesting ones for Adams. Jalen Johnson lined up across from Devontae Adams on all 23 of Adams' routes aligned out wide. After Adams aligned wide on all six of his routes in the first quarter, the Packers bumped Adams inside to the slot on 49% of his routes the rest of the game. The Packers were able to create better matchups for Devontae Adams by moving him into the slot. Adams caught just two of five targets for 19 yards when Jalen Johnson was the nearest defender. Adams caught all eight of his targets versus other defenders for 102 yards. Did a nice job, but... um, They made that adjustment. It's not often you have to scheme Devontae Adams away from one guy, but Johnson did well. Uh, Adams got the best of him when it mattered most, but um, a good matchup, but we saw why Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL again tonight. And, you know, he joked the other day with us, he wants to get up to 20 touchdowns this year, and he was only at five. He got two tonight. (laughs)
2: If he if he's he gets
1: ama- if he gets two for the last four games, that's 15 touchdowns.
2: Good math. I know. He, he's uh, I want to say he was sixth in the league last year in slot reche- slot receptions. I mean, the guys, the guy's amazing. I know, and I know Rodgers referenced in, in his post game deal tonight too that he wanted to put him in the slot to get some better matchups. And yeah, he's. Anytime you get him the ball in the move, he's just he's he's just so hard to get down. With that first guy in that deep shot, that that deep touchdown, oh, the corner, the safety just plowed into each other, and he just kind of goes waltzing into the end zone. It you know, was uh, it was like cartoons.
1: Devontae Adams is obviously really good at the line of scrimmage, but what might not be appreciated enough is how good he is after the catch. Mm-hmm. The yard, I believe, he led the NFL in yards after catch per reception. Last season, if I'm not mistaken, he's not... It was,
2: just total, it was total yards after the total catch. Total
1: yards after catch, okay.
2: You know, whether
1: it's a simple cutback to get five or six extra yards, whether it's what he did today, it's his basketball background because that crossover and the, you know, deception and getting into open space, that's where it comes from. And Bill, well, it's funny enough, and I want to mention this because we won't talk to our, our loyal listeners, and this is what we'll close with until after the Ravens game Keith Williams was the Fresno State wide receivers coach who found Devonte Adams in 2010 Adams was a senior in high school one year of high school football under his belt and Keith Williams was going to Palo Alto High School in the Bay Area Cal- in California to look at another receiver didn't even know Devontae Adams existed, but he got there, was told by the head coach, Earl Hansen, to look at Devontae Adams, and he did Liked what he saw. The rest is history. Keith Williams in a, is in his first season coaching in the NFL this year. You know who he's the passing game coordinator for? The Baltimore
2: Ravens. That's fantastic. So, and Amari Rogers' dad's at the Ravens, too, so it's and, Family Ties Week.
1: And Devontae Adams, when I sat down in him a couple weeks ago, called Keith Williams like a father figure for him. He, he last year, he, he would talk with Keith Williams three to four times a week about everything wide receivers. Um, after the Packers lost to the 49ers in the NFC title game a couple years ago, right after it, he talked to Keith Williams for an hour and a half on the phone about what he needed to do to become the best wide receiver in the NFL. And now I was joking with Keith when I talked to him for the story a, a while back. Keith has to Face Devontae Adams, this guy who he's helped groom into the guy who he is today. I said, you better tell your your DBs what's up. And he was like, I know, I've been joking with him about it. But um, that'll be really fascinating. Yes, Amari Rodgers' dad is the wide receivers coach for the Ravens. They've got some good wide receivers. It's 2.34 a.m. I know we don't get to all of your guys' questions each week, but I try to spread it out. Um, We appreciate you guys for sending them all in. Appreciate you guys for listening at all. Let us know. In any ways, we can, we can improve the show. Hopefully in the future, whether it's in the playoffs or in the off season, incorporate a video component, maybe some live shows on YouTube where you guys can, can comment live, get some guests on. We'll take this thing to the moon. But for Bill, for myself, we can't thank you guys enough for listening. We'll talk to you next week.